the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's no secret, if you've been living in Pittsburgh for a while, you know what a great, great city it is. And it's fascinating as a believer in Jesus to look back at the arc of Christianity here in the city. And our next guest, Gary Scott Smith, is with us. He's got a brand new work. I mean, it's brand new. It's truly hot, hot off the presses called A History of Christianity in Pittsburgh. Gary, welcome to the show. This is a great work, truly a masterwork. Thanks, John. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. I mean, I... So the book is dedicated to the many faithful Christians who strove to make Pittsburgh as famous for God as for steel. Um, why don't you tell people who are listening to the, sh- to the show the story about where that quote comes from? Yes, that's a statement by Samuel Shoemaker, who was the pastor of Calvary Episcopal Church in the Shadyside area. And he had come from a church in New York City with the same name, Calvary Episcopal Church, and they lured him to Pittsburgh. And while he was there, he founded the Pittsburgh Experiment, which then became the birther of a lot of other uh, great organizations in Pittsburgh, Christian organizations. But uh, he was known for this statement that was quoted in Time Magazine and a variety of other uh, contexts that he wanted Pittsburgh to become as famous for God as it was for steel. And he imparted that vision to a lot of people in the next generation who carried it on. Fabulous. So, Gary, the book, uh, A History of Christianity in Pittsburgh, uh, it is a large sweep, but primarily you're dealing with from 1950 forward. But let's just go back to the beginning of the city briefly and talk about the city of Pittsburgh. Because I I think, for me, when I think about Christianity in the city of Pittsburgh, I I tend to think largely of Pittsburgh, especially, you know, maybe uh, a while back, as being primarily a a largely Catholic-dominated city. But in the early days of the city of Pittsburgh, that was far from the truth, wasn't it? Absolutely. I would say that Catholic domination didn't begin until probably the 1880s when you began to have a large influx of Eastern European Catholics coming in, and probably not until truly 1900 in terms of numbers. If you want to look at other indicators, though, I would say that it was a very Protestant city in that uh, Presbyterians and Episcopalians, Methodists were the groups that had large congregations and quite a bit of ownership of businesses and very involved in civic uh, responsibilities, mayors, uh, city councilmen, things like that. So really, uh, Presbyterianism was, was huge in Pittsburgh from the beginning until today, but uh, certainly dominant up until about 1900, I would say. First Presbyterian church downtown was the, the flagship uh, mm-hmm. institution in, in the city, and had a tremendous influence. It actually gave birth to the University of Pittsburgh, among other institutions. So because in our current culture we see faith and um, and especially academia as very separate things, uh, it's hard for us to, look, to think back to a time when a church like First could have birthed something like the University of Pittsburgh. 
Well, you know, before the Civil War, virtually every college that was established in the United States, and there were 512 of them, was established by a religious group. After the Civil War, you begin to get the state involved in founding institutions, land-grant colleges and, and institutions of that sort. And, of course, a lot of schools that began with, say, denominational affiliation eventually abandoned it or watered down their commitment to the Christian faith. But, yes, it's, it's certainly true that many important institutions, including all the Ivies except University of Pennsylvania, were begun by religious groups. Hmm. So, Gary, let's go from 1950 forward and Sam Shoemaker, because when Sam Shoemaker came to Pittsburgh, in many ways, that was considered a coup, right? It was as if we had a uh, starting quarterback coming in to to win the Super Bowl, such was the case of the hopes of the men who brought Sam Shoemaker to the city. Well, absolutely. He had been played a pivotal role in founding Alcoholics Anonymous, and he was uh, very known for his radio ministry, his ministry to college students, for the ministry at the Bowery in New York City, uh, similar to a rescue mission kind of ministry. So yes, uh, and he had written many books before he came to Pittsburgh. He wrote some important books while he was here. So yes, it was a very uh, great uh, opportunity for Pittsburgh to bring Sam Shoemaker here, and he did great things in the roughly 10 years that he pastored Calvary Episcopal Church. So as we look back on the lineage over the decades of things changing and evolving here in Pittsburgh, I mean, you do a wonderful job of showing like the historic buildings, the historic churches of Pittsburgh, and then then going into talking about, you know, four mega churches in Pittsburgh, and then four, and then a whole list of African American churches in Pittsburgh. So talk about that evolution. Well, one of the things I wanted to do was give uh, readers a snapshot of what Christianity is like in Pittsburgh today. And so I profiled nine churches, three very historic churches, First Pres, Calvary Episcopal, and St. Paul Cathedral, which is the mother uh, church of the Pittsburgh Diocese located in Oakland. And then I focused, as you said, on four megachurches that have, by definition, a megachurch has over 2,000 attenders on a, a weekend. And then I looked at two African-American congregations, uh, Mount Ariat, which is actually the largest Protestant church in Pittsburgh, and Macedonia Baptist. And I thought by focusing on churches in different parts of the city, different denominational backgrounds, um, different kinds of influences, and some of these churches actually have multiple sites, uh, Northway Community, Christian Community, and the Bible Chapel have 11 different sites between the two of them, so they're all over the city. I thought it would give readers uh, a real opportunity to see the variety, the depth, the passion, the kinds of things that Christians are engaged in in Pittsburgh. Yes. So, Gary, the church, of course, um, the centerpiece, the cornerstone uh, of uh, Christian life here in the city of Pittsburgh, but from the church, there have been many parachurch ministries, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, um, the Pittsburgh um, Leadership Foundation, a lot of different organizations that have been around for decades and still influence the city of Pittsburgh in many ways. Can you talk about a few of those that are of note that we should know about? Well, absolutely. Reed Carpenter was involved in founding the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation in 1978, and Lisa Slayton, who I interviewed, is the current uh, CEO of the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, but they were involved in funding and organizing and instituting a whole variety of different ministries that had a huge impact in Pittsburgh and still do today in a variety of areas. They've changed their focus a little bit uh, more recently to training leaders, and businesses and uh, nonprofits, non-government organizations, and so on. And they're doing a great job in that area. 
but they have just had their hand on a wide variety of ministries in the areas of drug abuse and pornography and urban poverty and youth ministry and a variety of other areas. And so they're doing great work. Another um, organization I profiled is Urban Impact Foundation that was founded by Ed Glover, who's part of uh, Allegheny Center Alliance Church on the north side. And that was founded in 1996. And that organization primarily ministers to the youth in the north on the north side and then trickles into Pittsburgh more proper. But they've just had a huge impact on uh, providing uh, tutoring and supplementary education and Christian nurture sports programs, getting uh, low-income students into colleges, um, musical groups, uh, art groups. Uh, they've just done a fantastic ministry. I also talk about the Light of Light Rescue Mission, which has been around since 1952, and uh, they've been a strong presence on the north side, ministering to the transient, to the homeless, to people going through drug addiction problems, and programs for women, children, men, um, long-term and short-term programs. And then, of course, you mentioned the Coalition for Christian Outreach that began in 1971, and today is uh, working in uh, 18 different states, and they have over 300 staff, and they estimate that over their history they've had about a million contacts with with, people. students and bringing them to Christ and helping them grow in their faith. So, tremendous ministry. Outstanding. I mean, you know, we're used to it. If you've been in Pittsburgh, living in Pittsburgh for decades, all the accolades that have come upon us recently, um, it's kind of, you know, well, we knew that. Mm-hmm. We knew that all along it was a great place to live. It's, it's kind of nice to be recognized, but it's not really breaking news for us. And, and behind the scenes, in many ways, is the church, whether it's the local church or other parachurch ministries that have informed and equipped and engaged and built this city in good times and bad, in Jesus Christ. And so we are so deeply fortunate here to know what a great city we live in and to have uh, all these different churches and the men and women who have equipped and engaged and made this city the city that it is because of a lot of that work. Gary Scott Smith is with us. Gary's uh, been for many years at Grove City College. Uh, for 39 years, he taught at Grove City College, head of the history department. His brand new work, which I, I really, it, it is a masterwork called A History of Christianity in Pittsburgh. It's just recently on sale. Highly recommended. Gary Gary's going to stay with us for a little bit more. When we come back, we want to talk about, of course, the sports teams and all those players who have come through the city of Pittsburgh and their contribution to faith here. Stick around. A History of Christianity in Pittsburgh continues in a minute. We're talking about the history of Christianity in Pittsburgh with Gary Scott Smith. So we need to, of course, talk about the... uh effect of sports on the Christian church here in Pittsburgh and the effect of the Christian church on sports. And um, so let's start with the Steelers, and then we'll hit the Pirates and the Pens. Um, The Steelers have a rich heritage when it comes to Christianity and uh, modeling that for the Pittsburgh community. Oh, absolutely. Uh, In their coaching staff, uh, we can pretty much draw a line from Chuck Knoll all the way to Mike Tomlin. Uh, Many Christian players, including some of their leading players, uh, tr- tremendous uh, body of Christians in the uh, Steeler organization, and the Rooney family has had a faithful testimony as well. So uh, a lot of positive influence there in Pittsburgh. And Gary, I wonder about that. I mean, I'm sure it's not unusual, of course, in the NFL, but there is something about the Rooney family, especially in the early days, that they were not afraid to have faith in the locker room. No, they weren't. Um, <clears throat> they've been outspoken about their faith, um, Dan in particular, 
and uh, their relationship with uh, St. Vincent College and with the uh, the Catholic Order that are, who are there, um, they they have been very vocal about their faith commitment, mm-hmm. and they've and they've been noted for trying to uh, have coaches and players who represent a uh, high moral standard and. Uh, are good community involvement people. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're fans of Tunj Hilkin, a former Steeler player, and now he's a broadcaster. Craig Wolfley. Yeah. When you listen to these guys on the, on the air, they, they talk about Jesus often without shame or any fear at all. It's just really fascinating. It is. Tunj is one of the people that I profile in the chapter on the Steelers. And, uh, he today is the director of the men's ministry at the Bible chapel. In addition to doing an analysis for the Steelers and, it's a very interesting life and a great testimony, and uh, it was other Steelers who brought him to the faith. Yeah. You know, what, what I like about the, the work that you did with the players and the organizations, of course, you know, I'm not going to... Um I'm not going to be closer to Jesus because Tunj Yokin is, but uh, there's something about a guy that I respect, and especially you know in a sports arena, that I see his walk and I think, yeah, if it's working for Tunj, then why wouldn't it work for me? And I think that's probably you know the, the perfume of Jesus in professional sports. Well, that's absolutely true. Um, they have a great public platform, especially if they make the Super Bowl, um, to be able to talk about their faith, and the Steelers have consistently done that when they've been in the Super Bowl, particularly more recently when there has been more media presence, media days and things like that. Uh, but they also go out and they speak in churches and they've held camps for kids where they share their testimony, they build relationships. Um, so there's been a great uh, community presence. They also do yeah. a lot of charitable work in the community. Hey, let's switch over to baseball because if anybody has been close to sainthood as far as professional sports in the city of Pittsburgh, it's Roberto Clemente. So so talk to us about Roberto and his faith life, Gare. Well, Roberto was a Catholic uh, from Puerto Rico, but his his faith was much more of an active faith than a uh, spoken faith, although certainly Manny Sanguian and some other people talked about how much Clemente influenced them and what but he, you know, there's a service award now named for Clemente that's given out in the uh, major leagues every year, which actually McCutcheon won in 2015. But, you know, goes to the person that's done the most off the field to uh, promote civic engagement and, and, and charitable work. But Clemente you know, famously died in, in a rescue mission um, to people who had been um, very much uh, affected by storms. Um, and that, that was his life testimony. His life testimony was it's about others, it's about service, it's about, um, it's about the importance of having a positive uh, influence for the Lord and the world. Hmm. Let's move on to the pens. So, Garrett, what about the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, hockey players are sort of a breed apart. Um, are there any guys on the pens, you know, past or present, you, you hold up and you go, yeah, that guy walked the faith? Well, absolutely. And I I talk about in the beginning of that chapter, as you indicated, that compared to the NFL and Major League Baseball, that you have much uh, less Christian presence in the National Hockey League for a variety of reasons. One, the countries from which the players come. Yeah. Uh, also because the leading organization, Hockey Ministries International, uh, hasn't been accepted by all the owners and, and allowed to have chaplains on teams. But nevertheless, there has been a strong uh, Christian presence uh, in the Penguins. And I cite um, 
their coach Dan Blisma, uh, Max Talbot, uh, Jordan Stahl, uh, Mike Roop, Joe Vitale, Eric Fuhr, uh, Matt Cullen. I especially focus on the transformation of, of Matt Cook, who was, you know, for years known as uh, an enforcer, one yeah. of the dirtier players in the uh, NHL. And then he had this tremendous uh, born-again experience connected with Northway Community Church and wow. Brad Henderson and actually uh, Aaron Smith from the Steelers had a big role to play in his life. So kind of a cross-pollination of, of sports in Pittsburgh there. And, and since his conversion, or after his conversion, I should say, he became a, a leader, a Christian leader on the Pens and was very much involved in a ministry to Haiti with uh, Pittsburgh Kids Foundation with Brad Henderson and you know, cleaned up his act in terms of how he played, and uh, just was a was a new person. As we believe that in Christ, we are new creatures. I'm into that. <laughs> so, Garrett, as you write a, a history of Christianity in Pittsburgh, yeah. I mean, all it had the, it had to have inspired you writing it. Yeah, all the different personalities. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, tell us about that. I mean, all the different stories, the personalities. What's your takeaway from this? Well, I felt led to write this book for two basic reasons. One was because there was no other book on the subject. Um, the last book I could find that addressed this issue was written in 1958. Wow. And there's a little bit that's happened since 1958, <laughs> Pittsburgh, religiously speaking. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Pittsburgh was, you know, famous for a lot of other things, for its steel industry, for its, you know, sports teams, ethnic diversity, all those deplorable social ills in the late 19th and early 20th century, and then the remarkable physical makeover and cultural renaissance in the 50s and 60s and after. But, you know, people just didn't really know about its uh, religious heritage. Even people living in the city, I think, didn't appreciate fully uh, what was going on. I certainly didn't until I did the research for for this book, which involved lots of interviews, lots of attending all these churches that I mentioned, um, doing archival research, reading other books, reading articles, uh, things of that sort. So, I, I think the history of uh, Christianity in Pittsburgh, it's fascinating, it's important. Uh, we've just had, Christians have had a tremendous influence on all areas of, of life in Pittsburgh. And so I think we need to get that message out to the world. Yeah. I would give a brief shout-out to a friend uh, who, interestingly enough, independent of each other, has just come out with another book uh, called Steel Faithful, Stories of God at Work in Pittsburgh, 1952 to 2018. And his name is Bruce Barron. And we cover only four of the same subjects, and we do that from a kind of a different perspective. So the books really complement each other well. They, he tells some earlier history and some later history than I do, and you fit the two together, and I think you've got a pretty pretty good uh, and complete story of things that have happened in Pittsburgh, especially since, you say, the 1950s. Very nice. Well, it's, I uh... mean, I do address some earlier issues. I talk about, you know, African Americans and Catholics and and Protestant reform movements in the early 20th century and a few things from the 19th. But as you say, the focus is pretty much on the last 60 years. Well, I'll tell you, it's a terrific piece. It really, I mean, for anyone who's interested in church history in Pittsburgh, this, you got to get this. It's called A History of Christianity in Pittsburgh, the author Gary Scott Smith. Gary, thanks for joining us. Kathy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on again. Our great pleasure. Hey, I'll take a quick break. Come back. National App Day. Part two. We're celebrating. Stick around. Be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.